The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. You've noticed the tone and the texture of the broadcast has been different this week, intentionally so. There's a normalcy bias in America. Among us, it's a disease. And this disease tells us that we are always going to continue as we are now. It tells us that we can continue the comfortable American lifestyle without interruption. The Jewish people living in Germany prior to the Nazi Holocaust were deeply influenced by this same normalcy bias. They could not believe that the end of their world was coming. They lived in beautiful homes with chandeliers and stained glass and comfortable beds, couches and chairs and all the sophistication of the educated and the well-paid and enjoying the concerts, enjoying their, their life as Jewish believers. They could not imagine that all of this could be ripped away from them that they would be rounded up into ghettos and then finally forced onto train cars like cattle and taken to the death camps. That was unimaginable to them. A few escaped to the woods. A few saved their families. But countless numbers refused to believe that this could happen to them. They did not want to leave behind their beautiful paintings and their wonderful homes, their great jobs. They didn't want to lose those things. Well, you know, none of us want to lose those things. But at some point, we have to begin to face the reality of what is happening in our world. The economy of America is crashing. We have a president who has deliberately set about to destroy America. Now, he says one thing, but he does another. One of the most recent things he has done, which is so very telling to me, is that he has, through his representatives, been negotiating for a four-plus-million-dollar estate in Saudi Arabia as his retirement. Why would an American president want to go and retire in Saudi Arabia if he were not Muslim? It's quite obvious to any of us who look on with a logical and reasoning mind that our president is not a Christian. He is an anti-Christ. He is an anti... I didn't say the. I said he is one of. 
very clear that he is doing everything in his power to promote the advance of radical Islam, the creation of ISIS, the funding of ISIS. While on the other hand, he's saying, oh, they're bad, we need to destroy them. But the reports have all come in, and I'm sure you've seen them or read them, where American planes will go out to bomb ISIS and drop their their bombs in the desert or come back and have a full load. There are such lies and such games going on in America today at every level of corporate and government and church that it's hard to know what is real and what is make-believe. There was another time in history, one of many thousands of times, when this same thing was occurring. We find it in 1 Kings, the 16th chapter. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. I suspect that that if the Bible were being written of today's Christians, they would say President Obama did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those presidents before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonites, and began to serve Baal and worship him. What is entailed in Baal worship? It is a religion of sexual uncleanness with prostitutes, temple prostitutes. It is a religion totally focused on prosperity. It is bowing down to the stone of Baal, even as Islam has its stone in Saudi Arabia. It was an utterly wicked belief system that completely lacked morality. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. I suspect that identical truth is said by the Lord of the President of the United States. Now, please understand, usually I come to this broadcast and I address the issues of piety, of repentance, on an individual level, calling you to repent and get clean with God. I sometimes speak about the churches of America and how they have prostituted the Word of God, how they have turned aside to entertainment, how Christians are bowing at the idols of American entertainment, and how we have lost track of righteousness and holiness. But you see, this week what I'm trying to do is help us bring together personal faith in Jesus Christ with an understanding of what is happening in the larger picture of the politic of America and in the business of America. I remember when I was just a child, I sometimes would see a New Yorker magazine. And I used to think that some of the the jokes, the cartoons, were quite amusing. There was one amusing cartoon that I did not find amusing. It was the picture of a man dressed in a robe with long hair and long beard with a staff holding up a sign saying, The End. And everybody would chuckle and and say, Yes, we know who that man is. That's the radical evangelical preachers who preach fire and brimstone. There's no end coming and ha, ha, ha. Well, now the preachers aren't standing up with signs saying the end. 
They're lifting up signs that are saying, get rich. Do whatever you like to do. You're loved. You can sin against God. He loves you. You're saved. So the preachers and the churches have very much changed the sign they carry. Now it's the top economists of the United States that are carrying the sign saying, the end. Now it's the top newspapers in the country that are saying China's economy is collapsing. And it has the power to take down the entire world's economy. Now it's those top economists, usually not found on the media because the media still is trying to convince everyone that everything is fine. But in fact, it's not at all fine. The Baltic Dry Index, an indicator, has fallen to its lowest level ever. This is the index that tells us about shipping, about the transition of goods, of metals, of ore, of iron. It is at the lowest level ever. Inventories are high. Christmas was not kind to American business. Now, if you look at what's happening in the reality of the world, you see that there is a great collapse coming. Even Homeland Security is recommending that all Americans have at least six months of food stored in their homes. I wonder how many of you listening today have six months of food stored in your house. Has your pastor told you to store six months of food in your house? Has he told you yet to go buy firearms to protect your family? Has he told you yet the reality of what will happen when the grocery store shelves have been stripped bare? Has he told you what it's like to starve to death for gangs to roam? Probably not. Homeland Security will tell you. If you don't have six months to a year food stored in your house right now, know that you are infected by the disease of a normalcy bias. And you are playing the same role that the Jewish people played before Hitler began his death camps, you're in that same position. The bullseye will be on Christians. Now, I'm not talking about a collapse that is coming. I'm talking about a collapse that is already occurring. Even as I'm sharing this with you, the economy is collapsing. And if you are not taking steps for your family, to protect them, you have a normalcy bias that will very likely cause you great misery and suffering and even loss of life. Now, in the scriptures, God finally grew tired of the wickedness of Ahab. And there was, hidden away, a prophet of God. But now let me tell you the backside. It comes later in the story, but it was happening now in the story of Elijah. As he is hidden away, Jezebel is searching for all of the prophets of God, and she is having them executed. What I'm trying to say to you today is that across the span of history, nations have been overrun by wicked rulers. Nations have been overrun by men of great wealth who have decided to protect themselves at the cost of the people. We're now in the process of seeing that occur in America, and God is tired. God is tired of our corrupt government officials. He is tired of the corrupt 
television entertainment. He's tired of the idol of football and baseball and all the other professional sports. God is going to bring judgment on America. And in this case, the Lord pulled Elijah out of his prayer closet and out of his place of hiding, and he said, Go to Ahab. And this is what he said, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide. Hide. Do you think that you will escape having to hide before Jesus Christ comes? If you are so attached to your housing beauty, to your car, to all of your stuff, if you are so attached to your job, you have missed what the whole end times are about, and we are at the end of the end times. Jesus is coming again. And we're going to see America under the full judgment of God. Now, please understand what I'm saying to you today. I am not coming to you as an American patriot. I am not coming to you as a government hater. I am coming to you as a Christian pastor who hates sin and darkness. I am a Christian pastor who is saying to you, it is time to wake up and get right with Jesus. There must be a great revival of godliness. There must be great weeping in this nation. And if we do not do it now, we will do it in poverty and brokenness and in hiding. Now, I want to turn to some of the things that are happening that caused me great sorrow in my heart. I've already spoken several times about the wickedness of abortion, the wickedness of the gay lifestyle, of the wickedness of the lust for money. Let's talk now on a broader scale. We all know of the great wealth of Saudi Arabia. And we also know they're involved in spreading Wahhabism, radical Islam. We know that 9-11 and the destruction of the trade buildings, we know that that was funded by Saudi Arabia. We also know that President Bush, when all the airlines in America were grounded, gave permission for the Bin Laden family to fly out of America. We know there was some level of government involvement. I'm not saying that the United States government caused 9-11. I'm saying there was government involvement. Now, we all know of this great wealth of Saudi Arabia, and we know that they are deeply involved with U.S. politicians. We have watched on television as our president, President Obama, went to Saudi Arabia and humbly bowed before the king of Saudi Arabia. We know that presidential candidates and other prominent politicians in the United States take millions of dollars from the Saudis. We know that Hillary Clinton one of the frontliners for the Democratic nomination for president, has taken huge sums of money from Saudi Arabia. Now, many Americans love her and think she is for women's rights, yet she takes money from a nation that will cut off a woman's head in a moment, will not allow them to drive, persecutes them in every possible way and subjects them to incredible suffering. Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia will throw you in jail if you have a Bible. 
when American forces have been in Saudi Arabia, the chaplains of the United States military, as they went after Iraq, were forced to remove the crosses from their lapels. It is insanity that we would allow our politicians to bow and scrape before one of the most wicked men in all of the world, the king of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is also, sadly, very immersed in slavery. There's a report out that Saudi Arabia is a destination country for men and women trafficked for the purpose of slavery and sexual slavery. Men and women from Bangladesh, India, Sri Lanka, Nepal, Pakistan, and the Philippines. Indonesia, they bring in these domestic servants or other low-skilled laborers, and then many are subsequently forced into slavery, involuntary servitude, with restrictions on movement, withholding of their passports, threats, physical beatings, sexual abuse, non-payment of wages. Women, primarily from Asian and African countries, are also believed to have been trafficked into Saudi Arabia for commercial sexual exploitation. Others, many others, have been kidnapped and forced into prostitution after running away from their abusive employers. Some Saudi men have used the false legal contractual agreement that Islam allows of temporary marriages. In Yemen, in Indonesia, and in other Islamic countries, Females as young as seven years old are led to believe that they're being wed in earnest, but upon arrival in Saudi Arabia, subsequently become their husbands sexual slaves and forced into domestic labor, and then are given to other men. This is so horrible, it's hard for me to even speak about legalized pedophilia. That's what we're dealing with. the grandson of the former king of Saudi Arabia, nephew to the current king. It was all over the news. He murdered his servant slave while traveling in London. But money and corruption talks. After he's found guilty, he's flown back to Saudi Arabia to serve his sentence at home under the supervision of his family government. After he sadistically sexually assaulted his male slave before murdering him in a London hotel room. And our politicians, our president, they take money from these people and they bow and scrape before them. Shame on them. Another political partner of the U.S. and Saudi Arabia's who follow the Sunni religion, is Qatar. It's also mired in slavery, according to the reports. The United States is deeply involved with Qatar. Even our president, secretary of state, our defense secretary, they meet with these kings many times in the past years. The United States and the United Kingdom even have a military base there. Qatar imports almost all of its workforce from poor countries like Algeria and Pakistan and Bangladesh and Nepal. A recent report from The Guardian has shined an international spotlight on Qatar's practices. In this report, it is revealed how Qatar is using slave labor for its 2022 World Cup Mega Construction Project. According to Nepal's embassy in Qatar, at least 44 Nepalese Nepalese workers have died between June 4 and August 18 of 2013 working as slaves. Forced labor 
workers who've had their passports confiscated, who are not paid for months. Money is withheld so they can't run away. Our partner, Qatar, has been instrumental in the chaos of the Middle East as they openly fund terrorism so they can pipe their vast amounts of natural gas to Europe through a little country called Syria. You know, I could go on and on. Breaks my heart. Christians in these nations suffer immense persecution. It is estimated that more Christians have been killed in a genocidal persecution in this millennium than the last 15 in the last 15 years than the past 2000 years combined. At the start of the 21st century the words of Christ prophesying the persecution of his followers ring as clearly as ever. Their accuracy echoed in a variety of international reports showing Christians to be the most persecuted faith group in the modern world. Beheadings, torture, rape, kidnappings, mass killing, forced starvation, imprisonment, crucifixion, All of it is happening today, even as it happened in the ancient Roman Colosseum. Approximately 10% of the 2 billion Christians in the world suffer persecution. This comes from the ACN, Catholic Relief Agency. Some 200 million Christians suffer harsh persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ today. A report presented to the United Nations in Geneva by the Catholic Relief Agency tells us that genocide is happening. Do you think this cannot happen in America? Over 100,000 Christians are violently killed every year because of their faith in Jesus Christ. How do we deal with this? In spite of this great assault, mainly done by Islamic forces. President Obama is demanding that hundreds of thousands of Muslims, radical Muslims from Syria, Nigeria, the Sudan, they be brought into America, they be brought into Europe, And you see what happened on New Year's Eve in Cologne. The rape, the pillaging, the destruction. I don't understand. I don't understand. It makes no sense to me. Why would we begin in Detroit, and in other parts of America, have our courts begin to support the idea of Sharia law? Aren't we under the Constitution? The radical Islam says that their Constitution is the Quran, and the Quran dictates Sharia law. So their Constitution is Sharia law. Our Constitution is not Sharia law. Our Constitution are those inalienable rights given to every human person. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In April of 2015, 
there was a police report in Sicily where Muslims, migrants, hurled 53 Christians overboard during a crossing from Libya. The motive? A young boy was praying to Jesus. They demanded that he stop, saying, Here we only pray to Allah. When he would not stop, many of them went mad on that little boat and started screaming, Allah Akbar, and began hurling Christians into the sea, where they drowned. When Christian refugees fleeing the Middle East finally do make it to western shores in Europe, they continue to be attacked by Muslims or fellow refugees. Let me turn to the communist government of the People's Republic of China. They maintain a very tight control over all religions, the only legal churches who are under the Communist Party of China are allowed. Churches which are not controlled by the government are shut down, and their members are imprisoned, beaten, and tortured. Many who have had the organs of their body removed while they were still alive to be given to wealthy Europeans who fly to China, take advantage of the availability of body organs like kidneys. Many of these precious men and women have had to flee their homes and they're constantly on the run, traveling from one community to another, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they're caught, they're tortured, they're beaten, they're imprisoned, or they're killed. Today in the city of Mosul in Iraq, for the first time in the nation's history, there are no Christians. They have been forced to flee or they have been killed. The Reverend Franklin Graham has been giving stark warnings to Christians living in the United States as he talks about how religious freedom is being eroded here in the United States. He said, I believe we're going to see persecution in this country. We've already seen many laws that have been passed that restrict our freedom as Christians. I believe it is going to get worse. And we see no question there is a gaining influence in Washington by those that represent the Islamic faith. We do have a problem in this country, and we are losing our religious freedom, and we're losing it day by day. Graham had previously warned, and I agree, that Americans' morality was crumbling because President Obama defends Islam and chastises Christians. He rebukes our allies like Israel and befriends our enemies like Iran. He fully supports gay marriage and abortion, but denies religious freedom to those who do not agree with him. We have been identified as Christians as evangelicals, as fundamentalists, by society as a problem because we don't support unbiblical views of homosexuality, abortion, and other moral issues. We have been vilified with accusations of being intolerant, committing hate speech, hate-mongering, being against basic civil rights. We are, they say, bigoted and fanatical and narrow-minded. Christians are made to look like the unfair aggressors with the help of NBC, CBS, the media. Now this leads to a a marginalization of Christians where our rights are effectively ignored and a double standard is introduced so that 
certain groups like homosexuals and pro-abortionists and general non-Christian population people are seen as being more worthy of the protection of the law than Christians are. We are being attacked in the media and in the educational system. Our colleges in the United States have been utterly given over to progressive socialism. I would shudder at the idea of thinking of sending a son or daughter of mine to most universities in America. Even some Christian universities have become hotbeds of liberalism, progressivism, and socialism. Persecution is happening where Christians are penalized for not buying into and supporting the liberal social agenda of utter wickedness. Christians are fired for expressing their disapproval of homosexuality. Even when they're away from work, when they say something on Facebook or other social media platforms, they go back to work and discover their boss, check their Facebook page, and they're fired. Now, please, may I say something? If you're on Facebook, you are asking for great trouble. Maybe not now, but soon. A close friend of mine is an FBI agent. He serves here in Washington, D.C. on the Terrorism Task Force. He said to me in private, Pastor, tell everyone in your congregation and tell everyone on radio, get off Facebook now. It is unsafe. In some cities in America, the police, are now formulating a score for every person in the city. A terrorism score. So when your name comes up on a ticket, when an officer stops you, they quickly plug into that score. And then they treat you according to what that score says. The day is coming when they will check you on Facebook and see that you say you are a conservative, evangelical Christian, that you are anti-abortion. Those things will cause you to score high on the surveillance net. My friend in the FBI said to me, Pastor, the first place the FBI goes when your name becomes visible is to the social media sites to find out who you are and what all of your contacts are. And then we go to those contact pages and we carefully examine all of those people and then we go to their contacts and we draw a picture of your entire social network and all of those associated with you. And we quickly develop a picture to help determine how we should treat you. I don't know if that frightens you. If it doesn't, you are almost dead with a normalcy bias. You need to wake up. Facebook is not innocent. It is utterly demonic and destructive. And you will lose your freedoms faster because you are on Facebook. I'm warning you as a Christian pastor, get off now. Now, there's a a website. It's called www.prophesign.com. It's P-R-O-P-H-E-Z-I-N-E.com. And they break it down this way. What were the early steps that Germany took with the Jewish people? 1933, the Nazi brown shirts start to boycott Jewish shops. 
1934, Jews were banned from public parks and swimming pools. Then teachers, lawyers, and servants were fired from their jobs if they were Jewish. 1935, the Nuremberg Laws were enacted. Jews are no longer allowed to be German citizens. Jews cannot marry non-Jews. 1936, Jews are banned from working, owning, or running a business in Germany. They are also banned from having any German property in their name. And then that night in 1938, called the Night of Broken Glass, when there was a series of attacks from Nazi brown shirts, 91 Jews were killed, plus probably others. 30,000 Jews were arrested and incarcerated in concentration camps. Jewish homes, hospitals, schools were ransacked. Synagogues were demolished with sledgehammers. Over a thousand synagogues were burned that one night. 7,000 Jewish businesses were destroyed or damaged. And then the next year, 1939, the Warsaw ghettos were opened and Jews living under the Nazi regime were forced to wear a white or yellow Star of David armband or actually to have one sewn on the outside of their jacket. It was against the law to not identify as Jewish. And by 1945, over six million Jews were, were killed, slaughtered, and millions more were terrorized and raped and starved and beaten and enslaved and impoverished. Now there are five steps that lead to persecution. History has shown that these five general steps are followed by a government or ruling power that will finally end up in destruction, to death, to martyrdom. Number one, identifying. This involves finger-pointing by the ruling authority for the purpose of placing the blame for the nation's troubles on a particular group. In 1 Kings 18.17, King Ahab identifies the prophet Elijah as being the one responsible for the drought that took place in the land of Israel. He accused Elijah by asking the question, Art thou he who troubleth Israel? Well, the true Christian, the follower of Jesus Christ in America today, is being blamed is being blamed for blocking President Obama's socialistic agenda. The media is following. If you won't bake a cake for a homosexual, you are fined, threatened with imprisonment. Number two happens as you are marginalized. That is, you are in a politically incorrect position. And the church begins to look, or the church is looked down upon. The followers of Christ are looked down upon. There is an organized smear campaign conducted by the ruling authorities. We're already seeing that happen in the national news in America. They use trigger words like radical, extremist, hate mongers, fanatic, separatist, fringe. And then comes the vilifying. There are slanderous and abusive statements against targeted groups so as to cheapen and debase their worth and significance. The accusers need no factual evidence for their accusations or their innuendos. And then number four, criminalizing. We're right now in America at the criminalizing stage. Now you recognize these are on a continuum. And finally, number five is terrorizing. Outright acts of terrorism carried out by the police powers of the state against the persecuted. Acts of coercion by threat, by violence, intended to create fear and anxiety in the hearts of the victims. You understand this is happening all over the world to Christians. To Christians. It's not Christians who go in and 
bring their AK-47s and shoot up a theater. It's not Christians who set off bombs in the square in Turkey. But Christians are being marginalized. And radical Islam is being lifted up in America. I shudder at what's coming to this nation. Elijah had to go and hide. And finally he comes after three years and he speaks to Ahab. And he says, meet me at Mount Carmel and let's do a test and see who is God. And after that, there's a short revival of godliness. But then Jezebel steps in and says, I'm going to kill you. Elijah, and Elijah flees in terror. He runs for his life. Praise God, he ran to the mountain to see God. I hope you understand. I have understated everything I have said today to you about America, about the economy, about the desperate condition we face. I have understated it intentionally. I want you to go and do your own research and come to your own conclusions. Don't go to NBC and CBS. Don't go to the mainstream media. They are simply government voices. Do your research carefully. Look at what the economists in America are saying. And then go to the Lord and ask the Lord, How do I stand with you, Jesus? Has my normalcy bias caused me to not repent and not turn from all of the wickedness of America that I have become so accustomed to participating in? Has the normalcy bias been lifted up in my heart by going to churches that only talk about prosperity, bringing all of the world's music and entertainment into the house of the Lord? I urge you to go before the Lord and begin to ask him about the condition of your soul. I ask you, are you willing to pray now, or do you have to be on the run for your life before you will pray? Now is the time to pray. We need a great revival and reversal of what's happening in America. We need, once more, to have integrity, speak the truth in love. We don't need to be patriots. We need to be Christians. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley, Pilgrim's Progress. There's a great crisis. Will you get on your knees and go to Jesus? God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Joy with grace. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.